0: All right. Well, howdy, church. Howdy, howdy, howdy. I don't know if there they are right there. Wow, the lights work this morning. My goodness. Let's get the whole thing up and bright here so I can see everybody. I don't know if everybody left there or not. Can we turn all the lights on? There we go. I can see you now. It's awesome. Uh, Hey. Man, we are diving into some heady waters today, all right? So we are uh, talking about uh, a, a really—honestly, I've never, I've never heard a sermon on the topic we're talking about today, and I've never preached one, uh, so let's see how this goes, Is there, all right? Let's see how this goes. And so I'm going to pray, uh, because talking about what we're going to talk about today— uh, and if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you yet. I'll tell you in a second. Uh, but talking about what we're going to talk about today— Uh, You got to start off with praying, all right, because we need God's help today. All right, so let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so, so, so much, God, for, for the baptisms that we just saw, for the songs that we just sang, God, that lives have been impacted because you meet us right here in this room. I just love that every single week, God, when we get together, we are imperfect, and God, you meet us anyway and you come, and, and you change lives, and you give hope, and you restore souls, and God, it's just awesome. It's awesome. Uh, and Father, I pray right now for help. I pray right now that you keep this room distraction-free. There, there are going to be unseen things happening in this room right now to, to get people just distracted, to get people to, to focus on their phones, to get people to focus on lunch or a meeting this afternoon or just something this week. God, there's going to be stuff that goes on in the room right now because the devil hates the thought that we would even talk about something like this. It's kind of an out-of-the-box topic today. And so, God, I pray that right now you would speak to us because, God, I'm convinced that today is tailor-made for every person in this room. I'm convinced that no one has come today by accident that, God, you want to speak to us in real specific ways. So, God, just get your hands down deep deep into our lives today. Let us hear you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey, let me ask you guys a uh, question here. Um, Answer this question by raising your hand. How many of you uh, locked your car before you came into church today? Raise your hand. Some of you are not raising your hands. Those of you who are kind of shady people, look at that. You can just welcome yourself after this, okay? Right? Let's do that again. Like, I would even lie and raise my hand because you don't know who's around you today. Let's just do that whole thing again. How many of you locked your car before you came into church today? Raise your hand. That's better, people. Like, that's what you want to do, right? If in a public setting, oh, everything's locked. Everything's locked, right? How many of you locked? Somebody doesn't have a car. Sorry. Sorry. If you want to give a car away, somebody over here needs one. Um. How many of you, here's this, locked your house before you came to church today? Raise your hand. Not everybody's raising their hand. Just go to their house today. Just go to their house, right? We do that, though, don't we? We, how, How many of you make sure before you go to bed each night your doors are locked? Raise your hand. There we go, right there. Every single person in the room. I don't know if you're, if you're like me at all, but, but I have this, I mean, it's, it's just an OCD-type ritual that I have when about 8.30 every single night for about an hour and a half or two hours, and I don't just do it over and over and over, but for about an hour and a half, two hours, about 8.30 every night, I just become obsessed with, are my doors locked? And so, so I probably check my doors uh, just, just back and forth, off and on, for probably about 40 or 50 times, all right, every single night. And I don't announce it. I don't make it a big deal at my house. But I, I just start to think, are my doors locked? Because I don't know what my neighbors want to do to me tonight. Are my doors locked? So about 8.30, just casually walk by one of the doors. Look, oh, locked, awesome. 15 minutes later, Fifteen minutes later, I'll go back to that same door that I know is locked. I know it's locked, but I don't know what's outside, right? So i go back to that same door. Here's what I do the second time. I test every time. I'll, I'll unlock it and lock it back because I don't know if I did it right. I don't know, right? And so I'll unlock it and I'll lock it back. Then I'll leave. Then I'll leave. And, and, then, then, and then I'll say, oh, you know what? I'm hungry. I need to go get something to eat. Walk by the kitchen looking at the door. You know, so about so there's about an hour and a half, two hours every night. I just become obsessed with: Have I locked the door? And then I lay down in bed at night. Have I locked the door? I've locked the door. Sometimes I don't know, and I get back up. But maybe, maybe that's maybe you're not as, uh, as just obsessed with it as I am. But we do that, right? We we lock the doors of our cars. We make sure that our houses are locked, maybe not before we came to church, but at least probably before we go to bed, we make sure that our houses are locked. Here's what I want us to think about though today during just our little little time together. I I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this question because we lock up our cars and we lock up our houses, but I wonder today if there's anyone in the room that a door to your life is unlocked today. I mean, the doors of your houses are shut and they're locked right now. But I wonder if there's maybe a window into your life that's, little, that's got a little creek open where unwanted things can creep in today. Your car's locked and your house is locked. Is your life locked? Because today we are in part two Of a series that we started last week called Supernatural, and what we're doing in this series, we're it's Halloween, and so we kind of you know the world culture's thinking about this, we're thinking about this, and getting candy and dressing up and all of this stuff. So, uh, so I thought it would be a great time to answer a lot of questions that I honestly get from a lot of people in our church about things like the devil, things like demons, things like angels, which is exactly what we talked about last week. We talked about the devil, we talked about demons and angels and and how they are real and what they do, and then we wrapped up last week by talking about why should you even care at all? Why should you care that demons are real and angels and the devil? And what we said last week, in case you weren't here, what we said last week was the reason that you should care is because what what the devil wants to do and his forces, because the devil's not God. We said that last week. God is everywhere. Satan isn't everywhere. He's created by God. And originally Satan was an angel, but pride caused the devil to rebel against God, which never goes well for anybody. God kicks the devil out of heaven. And because Satan is a created being, he's not everywhere the way that God is everywhere. But here's what Satan is able to do. Satan is over demonic forces that he can send out and command to do whatever he wants to to do and satan and his forces what we said last week and this is why you should care satan and his forces what satan wants to do is destroy your faith that's what he wants to do now if you're here you're not a christian you're just kind of kicking the tires on this whole christian deal you don't have a faith of your own the devil wants to stop it before it even starts It's just what he wants to do. If you have faith in what Satan wants to do, is he wants you to get so discouraged about your current situation. He wants you to get so hopeless about that diagnosis, about that thing that you're experiencing at your job. Satan will do whatever he possibly can to simply get you to quit. That's all he wants. And that's why you should care. But today, and I honestly get this question a lot. Today, we are going to answer the question, Is demon possession real? Can a Christian be possessed by a demon? Now, don't leave if you think we're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Some of you are like, okay, there's the exit. Honey, grab the baby and run. I thought this was, okay, he's going to pull out snakes and all of a sudden. if, if, If somebody pulls out a tambourine, we're gone. Right? That's what you're looking for right now because this is crazy, Really? That's what we're talking about today? Is demon possession real? There's no way that's real. Maybe that's what you're thinking. There's no way that that's real. That is just crazy. And see, the reason that we react that way, and the reason that, honestly, I was a little uncomfortable even putting this week together, and maybe you're here, and you're thinking that you're, you're listening to this, and you're thinking there's no way that's real. Here's why. It's because we've been conditioned in the part of the world that we live in, the western part of the world that we live in, the, the entire world does not think the way that we think. Did you know that? You just need to know that if you didn't know that. That was free, not even part of the sermon. That was free because I'm a nice guy. But just because we live in the western part of the world, we've been conditioned to think that you have to have a naturalistic explanation for everything. And so maybe you're in your seat and you're thinking, you know what, this does sound insane because, Mark, I'll only believe something if you can prove it to me scientifically. Uh, Mark, I'm not into this whole faith thing. I'm definitely not into this thing that you're going to talk about today. Mark, I'll only believe in something if you can prove that it exists scientifically. If you can prove it to me scientifically, then I'll believe it. Now listen to me. This is not at all a sermon on science versus faith, and I don't think those things are at odds at all, by the way. But that's not what we're talking about today, okay? But if you're here, and that's where you're at, one, I'm super juiced that you're here today. Man, we started this church for you. If you're not a Christian, you don't even believe in God, you've got a lot of questions about this whole Christian deal. Is it real? And all that jazz. You don't believe this stuff yet. Man, I am super glad that you're here today. But listen to me. If you're here and you're thinking, you know what? I only believe in things that you can prove to me scientifically. I am not a person of faith. Hang on for a second. Because can I submit to you? that it takes just as much faith to believe that as it does what I'm talking about today. It takes just as much faith to believe. If the cornerstone of your faith, if what you're building your belief system on is the idea, I'll only believe it if you can prove it to me scientifically. If that's what you're building your beliefs on, then you need to know that is a statement of faith. And here's why. Because you can't put that statement under a microscope. You can't dissect that statement. The thing that you're building your life on, your belief system on, I'll only believe it if you prove it. Scientifically, you can't prove that. Scientifically. Instead, you know what it is? It's faith. So every person in the room today, whether you're a Christian, you're an atheist, agnostic, you don't know what you are. Every one of us in here, we're all people of faith. It just depends on what you have your faith in. But, 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 I don't think that's where the majority of the crowd is. Okay? I don't think that's where the majority of the crowd is today. Here's where I think the majority of the crowd is today because I actually talked to a couple of people this week and told them what I was preaching on and, they, and all of a sudden it was clear that they didn't know if they were coming today because that sounds crazy. Right? So here's why I'm convinced the majority of the crowd is. When you hear me say, today we're talking about demon possession, everybody or most people in the crowd thinks this. I don't need to hear that. I don't need a sermon on demon possession. Now, number one, we haven't asked your family and friends if that's true. That might have been the reason they wanted you to come. Okay? Because they have a different opinion. Right? But maybe you're thinking, man, I don't need to. don't need. I don't need to hear this yet. Yeah, it sounds interesting. It sounds intriguing. But I don't need to hear a sermon about demon possession. And the entire time we sit with our car locked and our house locked, and we go to great lengths to make sure that our our identity is locked so no one can steal our identity and mess up our credit scores, but in reality, a lot of us have come to church this morning and doors are wide open, windows have been left open into our lives so things that we don't want in our lives have crept in to our lives. So I want us to talk about it today. I'm convinced that all of us, need to talk about this today. So I want you to take a Bible, and I want you to go ahead and open up your Bible to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 is where we're going to be today, so go ahead, take your Bible, open it up, turn it on on your mobile device if you've got it. Luke chapter 11, and we are going to be in verses 24 through 26, okay? So go ahead and turn uh, your Bible on or whatever. Now, if you don't have a Bible at all, you're totally fine, because the words are going to be on the screen behind me in just a second. But Luke 11, 24 through 26 it's where we're going to be at today. I'm just going to go ahead and jump. I'm just going to dive right in, man. We've got, we got a lot to cover today. So here we go. Luke 11, 24 through 26 says this. This is Jesus talking. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Stop for a second. Hey, if you've got a Bible that you can write in or maybe you can highlight stuff on your phone, take note of that. Let me read that last phrase again. When it comes, it finds the house. Here it is, swept and put in order. That's big. Verse 26. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. Watch this. And the last state of that person is worse than the first So just to kind of set the context and the stage for what we're reading, what we just read, what happens right before what we just read, what we didn't read, Jesus drives a demon out of a man. So the question, is demon possession real? Yes. Yes, it is. Demon possession is real. It happened over and over in the life of Jesus and there's nowhere in the Bible that would indicate us for that would indicate that we need to believe that it doesn't exist today or that it slowed down any today. Is demon possession real? Yes. Now, let's unpack that idea right there. Let's not say you're dismissed, see you next week right there. Let's think about that for just a second. That the preacher just said demon possession is real. Let's talk about that. See, because some people seek it intentionally. Some people seek that kind of thing, that kind of dark supernatural reality. Let's be honest today. Some people seek that intentionally. And, 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 and the world that we live in, the world that we live in just kind of dresses it up as something that it's worthwhile to pursue. So I said this last week, and I'll say it again. I'm a movie guy, and if you check the movies that come out every single Friday, on most weekends, there's a movie that comes out with this kind of idea in it. So if you go to the movies right now, one of the movies that's an option for you is a movie called Ouija, based on what? Ouija boards. Now, I've never seen that movie, and I'm not preaching against solely the idea of that movie, but I will say this. What's the idea behind it? People trying to come in contact with another world, dead spirits, or something outside of our reality. Let me tell you, is that real? Yes. Do you want to mess with it? No. Did you hear that? You do not want to mess with it. Some people intentionally go at it in very dark ways. But see, here's the world that we live in, because, a lot of, because maybe you're here today, and that's you, and you are seeking that intentionally, but the world that we live in dresses it up so that you can pursue a dark supernatural reality, and you don't have to be in your basement with a Ouija board praying to Elvis and sacrificing kittens, Right? Because did you know that the Bible says that false religion and false spirituality is also an open door and a pathway to the demonic? Did you know that? So you can be a Muslim, you can be Buddhist, and you can be Hindu. You can be spiritual. Because have you noticed that it's really cool and it's really hip and it's really trendy to be spiritual? Have you noticed that? It's really awesome to be spiritual. And the Bible says that spiritual, spirituality is a pathway to a world you don't want to mess with. So, so let me just talk to you, and, 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 and she's got her own deal now. She's not in the public eye or uh, in front of us as much as she, she once was. The, at one time, the biggest preacher in the world, biggest spiritual leader in the world, Oprah. <clears throat> hey, remember when Oprah had that segment on her show called Spirit? Remember that? Now, number one, don't judge me because maybe I watched Oprah a little. Don't you judge me. Get behind me, Satan. Right? I am man enough. I can watch Oprah and still drop the man card. We will move on, though. Remember that? Remember that? Spirit, spirituality, and she was, she was always every single day giving us tips on how to get in touch with our spirit, spirituality. It's hip, it's cool, it's trendy, and it's also a pathway to the demonic. Summit, listen to me, lean in for a second. I don't want our church to be spiritual, I want us to love Jesus. You, massive difference. Don't be spiritual, be a Christian. Don't be spiritual, follow Jesus. Shut the door of spirituality and open the door to the one that died for you, Jesus Christ. Because that other door, you don't want to mess with it. So you can intentionally seek it. But see, unintentionally, well, let me back up. Can a Christian be possessed by a demon? Can a Christian be possessed by a demon? The answer is no. And the reason that a Christian cannot be possessed by a demon is because the Bible says in the book of Romans that the Holy Spirit who lives inside of every single Christian is greater than the one who lives in the world who is the devil. And once the Holy Spirit moves into your life, he takes up residence and he never moves out. And once the Holy Spirit moves in, there is no room for another spirit to move in and to take over. So can a Christian be possessed? No. But can a Christian be oppressed? Yes. Can a Christian unintentionally leave areas of their life open for the enemy to creep in and do things in their life that they never wanted to experience? Yes. See, because Jesus just painted a picture for us in Luke chapter 11, verses 24 through 26, the passage we just read. Jesus just painted a picture that my life, that your life, is like a house. And the picture that Jesus painted is of somebody whose life is like a house, and they cleaned up their house. They got all of the bad stuff out of their house. Yesterday morning, my son's in Cub Scouts, and the Cub Scout leaders, they're moving, they uh, moved to Florida yesterday. So 7 o'clock till about 11.30, 11.45, yesterday morning, we, uh, me and another person that helps out with Cub Scouts, uh, we helped them move. When I got to their house yesterday morning at 7 Everything was in their house. I mean, all of their stuff was in their house. But about three and a half hours, four hours later, there was nothing in that house. Nothing. All of their stuff was gone. We'd swept the floors. We'd cleaned every room. That house was empty. And Jesus says that our lives are like a house. And we can shove all the bad stuff out of our lives. We can get all of the negativity out of our lives. We might even invite God into our life. God cleans up our house. But if we don't fill our house up, then what we do is we leave our house empty for something unwanted to come in. That we we can clean up the proverbial house of our lives, but if I get all of the bad stuff out and I don't replace it with good things, if I get all of the negative things out and I don't replace it with the things of God, then what happens, according to Jesus, is I have unintentionally left my life open for things to move into my life that I do not want near my life. We can do that unintentionally leave our lives open. Let me ask this question. Think about it this way. How many of you, how many of you have a home security system? Raise your hand. Just raise your hand right now. It's okay. It's okay. It's a safe place. Right? A couple of you. Have you ever seen those signs for people that have a home security system? They've got the sign in their front yard that says ADT, you know, or something like that to represent that they have a home security system. Or maybe like your home security system is your dog, and so you've got a sign in your front yard that says, my dog will kill you if you mess with it, Right? Two weeks ago, I was in Bolivia. I talked about it last week, but I remember we were driving in this neighborhood. We pulled into this neighborhood in Bolivia two weeks ago, and I happened to look out my window, and there was this pole in the middle of the street, and they, they had taken a pillow and taken that pillow and kind of stuffed it with enough things, and like it was a really large... They made it in the shape of a man, basically, and they put clothes on it, but then they had stabbed all kinds of holes in it and covered it with red paint and slit the thing's throat so that blood was coming out of it, and there was a sign with Spanish writing over the top of it. And I asked the leader, I said, what's that mean? Because we're like driving by. I want to know what that means. Right? So I said, what's that mean? So he reads it. He comes back. He says, essentially that sign says that if anyone comes into this neighborhood and the intention is to steal something, that is what they'll do to you. Now, Now, that was not my intention, but I found it very effective. I I saw that and I thought, we should do that in the States because that's very effective. I thought, so now I have one in front of my house. Um, but, um, But imagine though, imagine you go into a neighborhood today and imagine you drive into somebody's neighborhood today and there's a big sign in somebody's yard and it just simply says, thieves, welcome. Right? Or imagine you drive by somebody's house today and there's a sign in their front yard and the sign says, please steal my stuff. Wouldn't that be crazy? You would never see that. But somebody has that sign in the yard of your marriage today. Come on in, ruin it. Somebody has that sign in the front yard of your future. Come on in, take it away. Somebody has that sign in the yard of your life. Thieves, welcome. Because did you know that you and I, we can unintentionally open up our lives to a dark supernatural reality that we don't want to mess with? Would you like to know how we can do that? Let me show you. And I'm going to give you a lot of information right now, okay? So I'm not going to look up these Bible verses, but I'm about to flash up a lot of things on the screen. So you might want to take a picture of this so that you can study it later, or if you're taking notes, write this down. Go ahead and bring this up. I want to show you various ways that the Bible says we can open up our lives, how we can leave doors unlocked, how we can leave windows open, and the sign says, come in, ruin my life. Give you an example, anger. Anger. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, it says this, Do not let the sun go down on your anger so that you don't give the devil a foothold in your life. Do you know what a foothold is? You ever got in an argument with somebody in your house, and then they go in their room, and they're going to slam the door, and then you put your foot right there? Because you are not letting them shut that door. Right? So you put your foot right there, and all of a sudden, there's your foot. The door hits your foot, and instead of just closing, there's the door frame, your foot, and the door. So you can peek right in. I still see you, right? You get a finger in, you'll taunt them a little bit They're right there. The Bible says, hey, if you don't deal with anger, that's exactly what the devil does in our lives. He puts the foot right there so that you can't shut the door, and he can creep right in. I'll give you another one, drunkenness. Here's this one, gossip, hello! In some churches, I could have put prayer requests. You'll get that later. John 8, 44 says that lying can open up the door to the enemy in our lives. And it's not just simply saying lies, it's believing lies. Believing lies about ourselves, believing lies about God. Lying, here's this one, idols, 1 John 5, 18 through 21. Don't change the screen yet, leave that up there. Idols, what's idols mean? means worshiping anything other than Jesus, period. That's what it means taking a good thing that God's brought into our lives and putting it on the throne of our hearts so that instead of worshiping Jesus, we worship it. I don't know what that might be for you, but maybe that's a reality for somebody. And here's the truth. If we leave doors open long enough, windows open long enough, all of a sudden we've left room for the enemy to come in. And listen to me, it could escalate to levels. It's hard to turn back from. Let me show you something. Look at the screen. Mark five: five: physical injury. I want to plan on this one for a second. plan on the, physical injury. Watch this. Listen to me. If you read the Gospels and the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, those are the stories about the life of Jesus. If you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, every single time there's a story about Jesus coming into contact with somebody that was possessed by a demon, do you know nine times out of 10, what one of the things the demon is having that person do to themselves, Do you know what it is? Cutting themselves. I spent a lot of time as a youth pastor working strictly with middle school and high school students. I talked to a lot of middle school and high school students right here in this church. I talked to a lot of young adults and I have regular conversations. I haven't had one in a while, but there was a period when I was having regular conversations and maybe you're here and you're doing this and you're cutting yourself. And see, the world looks at that and says, that makes no sense. Why would you cut yourself? Why would you take a razor blade or something like that and do physical harm to yourself? The Bible comes along and says this makes perfect sense because there is a reality out there that wants to kill you. Do you know how that starts? Believing lies. Most people that I've talked to who cut themselves, it started because they began to believe lies about themselves and God. And we've already said that lying is a doorway to a reality you don't want to mess with. So they started to hear lies in their mind that said this, you're worthless. Everyone hates you. You're a mistake. God doesn't even love you. There's no way that you can forgive yourself. Why don't you grab a razor right now, roll up your sleeve, Cut your arm a little so that you can experience some pain and that might take the relief of your life away. And it doesn't and you cut yourself again and you cut yourself again and you cut yourself again. I want to stop, but I can't. Something's telling me I can't. Mark, are you saying that because I'm doing that I'm possessed by a demon? Absolutely not. But here's what I want to tell you. I want to say to you if you're doing that right now, God is not the one telling you to do that. Moving on. Our minds. Listen, we'll talk about spiritual warfare next week when we close this series, but the battlefield for spiritual warfare happens in our minds. It's the way that we think. I'll talk about that one in just a second. And if we leave the door of our mind open long enough, it leads right into Revelation twelve ten accusation. The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Here's what it means. And some of you hear this voice in your head. It's constantly, you, you, you. It's all you hear. You wake up and you hear it. You go to work and you hear it. You go to bed and you hear it. You are a loser. No one likes you. No one loves you. You have no friends. You don't do anything right. You, fit, you don't fit in in that church. No one likes you in that church. God doesn't love you. God can't forgive you. You, you, you. Mark, how can I know the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the devil? Here's how you can always know the voice of the devil. The voice of the devil always leads to a dead end and he speaks to you using that language. You, 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 you. Condemnation. Accusation. I believe that, and what happens? I've left a door open for the enemy to ruin my life. I just want to ask us two questions today. I'm going to let you go. Two questions very quickly, and then I'm going to dismiss us right here. First question that I need to ask you today is, what doors do you need to lock? What doors in your life do you need to to lock today? How many of you, just by raising your hand, how many of you lock every single door in your house before you go to sleep at night? Raise your hand right now. You lock all the doors. There you go. Anybody only lock maybe one of your doors, but the other ones, the thieves can go in that door, right? No. You lock all the doors. I lock all the doors, and I check it 50 times. No, but I make it sure. You lock every single door. Hey, if we do that to our house, maybe we should do it to our lives, So let's talk about anger. If anger is an open door in your life and you're sitting there, oh, you know what? That's just my personality. It's hard for me to forgive people. It's hard for me to forgive. It's hard for me to let go. I like to hold a grudge. I like to imagine me putting them in their place. Open door. It's an open door for your life. We said this a minute ago. One of the biggest open doors and and cracked windows that people have in their life so that the enemy can come in is their mind. We wake up every single day, and the only thing that's going through our mind is negativity and criticism and ingratitude and pessimism and worry and anxiety and fear. And we wonder why we can't hear the voice of God. We wonder why God seems so distant. It's because all we're doing is leaving the window open for the enemy to creep in into our minds. Hey, did you know I'm learning this? Did you know that you don't have to listen to everything you think about? Anybody know that? That's why 2 Corinthians says take every single thought captive. Grab it, lock the door, and shut the window. You don't have to listen to it. Just turn the channel. Or maybe the door that you need to lock in your life, it's a place that you're going. It's a place that you're going. And you know that every single time you go there, you know exactly what happens, right? You know exactly when you go there, you're going to get in a fight with that person, or you know that your friends invite you to do that every single weekend, and you should say no, but you can't say no. And you wish you could say no, because when you go there, it always leads to the next day. You got a hangover, you wake up on somebody's couch, you don't even know who they are, and a lampshade's on your head, right? You need to shut the door and lock that thing off from your life. How can I do that? Don't go there anymore. Just simply say no and don't go there again. Now, the devil's going to tell you, oh, you need to go so you can be a good example. No, be a good example by not going anymore. Just cut it off in your life. Oh, my goodness, and listen to me. This isn't just for our own personal lives. Listen, some of us need to lock the door and shut the windows from our, for our marriages, so that nobody gets out and nobody else comes in. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? Right? Oh, Mark, we're just flirting. I'm just flirting with that guy at work. I'm just flirting with this girl. It's never going to go anywhere. Listen, if you leave that door cracked open long enough, eventually flirting won't cut it anymore, and you're going to have to open that door all the way. You won't want to experience what comes through. We're just texting. It won't stay there. You need to shut the windows and lock the doors in your marriage. I'll never forget, man. One day, this loser came into a store I worked in in a mall when I was in seminary. Worked in a mall when I was in seminary. This guy, just slimy dude, walks in, and there was this uh, there was this jewelry store out in front of the store that I worked at. And let's just say that I guess they they only hired a certain kind of female, and clothes apparently were optional. That's I guess. Just from looking out there, or, you know, they were wearing stuff that left little to the imagination. You know what I'm saying? This dude walks into the store one night, one time, and he's not going to buy anything, and I'm doing some homework, and I'm just sitting here working and that kind of thing, and this dude walks in. He leans up on the counter, and he's just staring at those girls out there, and he looks at me he says, man, you ever look at those girls? I don't know if he really talked like that, but in my mind, he did. I don't know, Right? You ever look at those girls? And I was like, no, man, I try not to. Actually, I want to go buy them extra large turtleneck sweaters so they can cover up. That's what I'd like to do. That's somebody's daughter. You ever look at those girls? I said, no, man, I, I, try, I try not to. He, said, he says, why, man, it's just looking. We're guys. That's what we're supposed to do. I said, well, I don't. And when I said that I don't, he looked at me with a look that, that, that was kind of like the look that he would have given me had I shot his dog. Some of you are thinking that way too. Hey, I'm just looking. It's, I'm a guy. That's what we do. Shut that door, gentlemen. Don't flirt with that. Parents, listen to me. We need to lock the doors and shut the windows for our kids. Amen? We need to because the world won't. Not in my house. We don't watch that. We don't talk that way. We need to lock the doors for our kids. Now, let me say this before I move on. I'll close this sermon down. Let me say this. If you're here today, though, and you're living under your parents' roof, okay? If you're living under your parents' roof and you're convinced your parents are morons. Hello? Hello? Don't don't shine your halo. Oh, I just respect my mother and father so much. Oh, come on. Right? Right? If you're here today and you're listening to this and you're living under your parents' roof and every time they walk in the room you roll your eyes, they ask you to do something and you're like, oh gosh, you're so stupid, open door and you need to shut it and lock that thing off before you let something in your life you don't want to experience. What doors do I need to lock? But last question and then we're done. What needs to be moved in? What do I need to move in? Because Jesus paints the picture of somebody getting the bad stuff out, but they don't bring anything into their life. They don't bring any good stuff in to replace. The bad stuff, they don't bring anything into our life. And so many times all we're doing is just, we're just replacing, we're just rearranging furniture. We're just moving some things around in our lives. And so maybe you're here today and you've thought this. you said, man, I don't like the way my life was going, how my marriage was going, that sort of thing. I need to make better choices. We're going to start going to church. And you start going to church and then like some good things start to happen for you. And then like all of a sudden, oh man, this is working for me. I've spent most of my life living for me. I'm going to start serving at church. I'm going to start putting other people before me. And you're doing this and you're experiencing some positivity because you're getting close to the things of God. But listen, what you need to do is not rearrange furniture and make better choices and just go to church and just serve people because it makes you feel good. No, 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 listen to me. You need Jesus to move into your house to cleanse your house and Fill your house. So if you're here today, it's awesome that you're here. But what you need to do is you need to go to God and say, God, forgive me. Jesus, move into my life and save me today. Let him fill your house. Or you're here today and you are a Christian and you're listening to this sermon and God's speaking to you about a door you need to shut in your life and here's what you're going to do. You're hearing that and God's speaking to you and you're saying, man, that's right, I need to lock that door. Man, I need to shut that window. I am never going to do that again. And so you take this message and you reduce it down to willpower and church, I don't know about you, you're probably better people than I am, willpower lasts about 24 to 48 hours for me. That's all willpower will get me to Tuesday at lunch. After that, I'm like pfft, opening doors and unlocking. Oh, gosh, I'm tired, right? Willpower won't come. So many times what we're doing is we're just rearranging furniture. Listen to this. Let me give you a true principle. Write this down. You might want to, you don't, this is true. Don't forget it. Cleansing has to be followed by obedience, Cleansing must be followed by obedience. Jesus comes into your house and cleans your house. Well, then the next step is obedience. Don't just let it stay there. You met him and he changed your life. No, fill your house. Cleansing must be followed by obedience. Let me get very practical with our church really quick. Listen, in October in October, it's November 2nd, in October last month in this church, did you know that we saw over 70 people give their life to Jesus at Summit just last month? Man, you better clap for that. That's awesome. Over 70 people. Oh my goodness, that is awesome. Now, let me say this too. Let me say this. Uh, We track a lot of things here in our church. One thing we track consistently is attendance. And attendance tracking shows us that when you compare October 2013 to October 2014, we are up on average every week 100 people. We are averaging over 100 people every week from where we were this time last year. That's awesome. That's a big deal. Here's the only reason I say that. Not so we can brag and stick our chests out. Oh man, aren't we dipped in awesome sauce? No, we're not. Here's the only reason I give you those two numbers. It's because a lot of you are new. Jesus has cleansed your house, and it's time to fill your house. So what's that mean? You need to be baptized. You need to be baptized. Period. It's the first thing Jesus says to do after we give him our life. You need to be baptized. Now, the devil is going to lie to you and he's going to say to you, it's not the right time. It's the right time right now. Like, if there's time, it's the right time. And the devil's never going to let you get a right time. If you need to take that step and be baptized, if you're new, you just met Jesus in, say, the past year, last week, last month, five minutes ago, you need to be Baptized. So take that step. Listen to me. If you're here today and you're not in a group, you're not in a life group. You're not in a life group. I talk about life groups a lot, and some it. Listen to me. We're going to talk about groups a whole lot more. If you are not in a group, you need to take. The step and join a group. Join one of our serve teams and serve here at Summit. Join one of our Bible study groups. Join one of our join our basketball group meets at Friday night. Listen to me. My life group meets right here, 6 o'clock tonight. This is your invitation. The reason groups matter is because is because you can't do life alone. And the devil wants to keep you from getting in that environment where you meet new people, where you make friends, because the thing that'll get you to stick at Summit. Is a group, middle school, high school students, you need to go to Storm tonight at 6 today. It's tonight at 6, multi-purpose room. You need to go. Why? Listen to me. Every next step you take shuts off the enemy from your life. Every next step you take is shutting off the enemy from your life. And I want to say to you today that it doesn't matter what the door is you've left open, what the window is you've left cracked, In Christ, you can shut every door and lock every window. You can shut the door to that addiction. You can lock the window to your past so that it doesn't creep in. In Christ, you can lock every door and shut every window. Because Romans chapter 8 verse 37 says that we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. So you can shut that door and lock that window. You know, I was, I was reading this week. I was, I was thinking this week a lot, obviously, about making our lives more secure, locking the doors and shutting the windows. I read this week, did you, know that, did you know that every 30 days you're supposed to change your email password, social media passwords, if you bank online, your password, any password you have to any app or site. Did you know you're supposed to change that every 30 days? Every 30 days. And some of you do that. Some of you do that. I read another, another statistic this week, and it's kind of dated. It's went up since then. But in 2011, again, it's went up. But in 2011, Americans spent over $20 billion on home security. Hey, how much is it worth to you to protect your soul? We change our passwords and we lock our doors, but are there doors to your life that need to be locked today? The windows that need to be shut today. In Christ, you can lock that door and shut that window. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Dear Jesus. We just move into this time of prayer right now. God, I I believe you're speaking to people right now. I believe that you're speaking to people's hearts right now. And you are pinpointing doors that need to be locked. You are showing windows that we've left open for too long. And today is a day where it's time to shut some doors and lock some windows. It's time to move in some things into our lives to replace the things that have got to go. It starts today. starts today. So with every head bowed, with every eye closed, is that you today? Did God speak to you today about an area that you need to lock off and shut off in your life from the enemy? If you're here today and you'd say, you know what, Mark? God showed me a door that I need to lock, a window that I need to shut. God showed me an area in my life that I need to shut off from the enemy. If that's you today, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now up really high. Hands are going up all over the front, all over. Off to the side, I see hands to my right. To my left, I see hands. Here's the deal. I want to say to you today, if you've got your hand raised, there is power in bringing things that are in the darkness into the light. And God does not want you to fight that alone. So if you just raised your hand, if you're here today and you say, you know what, Mark, there's an area in my life I've left open for too long. I need to shut some windows and lock some doors. God doesn't want you to fight that alone. We've got people right now who want to pray with you, encourage you and we want to bring the darkness into light and watch you experience the victory that God wants you to have. If you just raised your hand, I want you to get up right now make your way to the back of the auditorium. There's people that want to pray with you right now. They want to encourage you. You just get up and go right now. Just get up and go right now. Say, there's an area in my life I need to shut off. I need to pray with somebody about that area. You need to go. There's a window that I need to shut in my life. You need to go. If you need to talk to somebody, you want to pray with somebody, we want to encourage you today, you get up and you make that move right now today. But maybe you're here today and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never asked God to come in and cleanse your house and fill your house. Today's the day you need to do that. It's right now. Right now is this moment. for you, And so I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me right now and ask Jesus to come into your life and to save you and completely change you for all of eternity. So if you want to give your life to Jesus today, pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. Make me new. Help me to live for you from this moment forward. I love you. Thank you for saving me in your name. Amen. No one is looking around. No eyes are open. But if you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three, and as soon as I say three, would you just slip your hand high in the air so that I can see your hand and celebrate with you today? One, two, three. Raise your hand right now if today's that day. Today you're asking Jesus to come into your life, cleanse your house, and fill it for the very first time. And if you're making that decision, I want you to look at it. Look at me right now. If you're making that decision. I want you to know you just made the biggest decision you could ever make. And Jesus wants you to tell somebody about it. So on the back of your card that we gave you when you walked in, would you check the box that says, I gave my life to Christ. And on your way out today, give it to somebody. We've got a free Bible and another book you want to put in your hand. We just want to celebrate and help you take the next step that God want you to take. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you that your word speaks right into our lives. Pray that every door is locked, every window is shut, so that the enemy has no room in, and that we would fill our lives with your goodness. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Someone, let's thank God for today. Man, let's thank God. We get to celebrate baptisms, and we get to, get, to, get to have a time. I tell you, so many people just now raised their hands, and I would love to pray about those doors that you need to lock and windows you need to shut. So why don't you write those down on the back of your connection cards. If, you, if there's a next step you need to take, check it on the back of that card. Guys, listen, next week we're wrapping up our series, Supernatural. Also, hey, next Saturday we've got a massive service day at the Veterans Hospital here in town. Right out there at our Welcome Center to your right. You can sign up for that. Get more info about it. Visit it before you leave. Guys, love you. You're dismissed. See you next week.